Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You know, if I wasn't living in a COVID world and working virtually the majority of the time, the first thing I would do, and I think the majority of our teams should go do is, quite frankly, go hug anybody that works in supply chain. There is no doubt our folks are working super hard to get our products produced and ultimately to the stores. And it's easy to complain. It's easy to argue. It's easy to point fingers. I do believe in that one team, one dream. And I think people are working really, really hard. The challenges are real and they're having a huge impact on the country, the economy and Campbell's as well. Change is just constant. It's how we all come together to work through it. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. So everyone's in 2022 planning right now, not just thinking through investment decisions, but also headcount and how people should be organized and looking for opportunities to find operational leverage. And I'm sure, Sarah, you're getting the same phone calls that I am, where folks are trying to figure out how other brands are organizing themselves going into the year, because there's no playbook for this. Not only is there no playbook for it, but you try to ask a brand for their latest org chart and they say, oh, we're updating it. Yeah. And to me, that's one of those things where it's, If you had to go to a multi-decade old company and say, hey, can you send me your latest org chart? They could just take it off the mimeograph machine. It wasn't really really that complicated. But now so much is in flux and the only constant is change. But that is happening at companies big and small. And the wonderful part about it, it's not because people are necessarily in cost-cutting mode. They're in precision mode. And I think that that's a reflection of being mindful of all the different changes in consumer behavior. And unfortunately, we needed a global pandemic to shine the light on it. But here we are. And the unintended consequences of that is just a more precise way of thinking about things and organizing things. Yeah, you know, we're about to hear from Stephen, who's a leader at the Campbell's Snacks business, leading e-com, omni-channel, His view is that where you think about org charts and you think about something like commerce, where does it sit in the organization? He feels that it's often over-indexing to the DNA of the leadership team. So if 
a leader has a sales background, you'll find e-com there. If a leader has a marketing background, you'll have e-com there. And uh, I just started thinking about our own customers and the jobs that CEOs had before they were CEOs. And I was like, oh, there is a pattern here. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, but it does remind me of the earlier stages of our careers where everybody had to have a little bit of digital knowledge, but nobody had any of it. And then all of a sudden, these digital titles started disappearing. And I would say the same thing is happening here in e-com. So it just depends on the maturity of the organization. And when I say the maturity of the organization, I really mean the knowledge, willingness, and openness to learn new things and try to apply it to their lives. And I think that was one of the things that really struck me about Stephen Kress was the way that he was just kind of ready to blow shit up and just look at organization and dynamics differently. Yeah, it's a real treat to hear someone who has such a strong shopper marketing background and now has made a major leap into commerce. Let's bring Stephen onto the show. Thank you for having me. This is such a great honor. I'm so excited to be with you both. We are too. We love the Campbell's family. And obviously, full disclosure, Sarah is on the board of Campbell's Soup, but I landed us this get for the interview. Yeah. So Stephen, you have a pretty big title and we don't often just see all of these words brought together. So I thought we could start there. Vice President of Digital Commerce and Omnichannel Shopper Marketing. What does it mean? Like, what is is and isn't in your scope? Rachel, thanks for starting with an easy one. <laughs> Let me take a step back. The last 18 months have had a huge impact on all of us, the world, the economy, CPG, etc. Your guests talk about it all the time. We know the stats. And it's safe to say these habits that have been created over this time period are here to stay. This new shopper, not so new anymore. And at Campbell's, we're committed to the omni-channel space, this new shopper. We're committing to driving success. We're committed to Campbell's, our retail partners, and ultimately the shopper. It has been a crazy rate of change over this time period. And it's quite frankly, a bit difficult to keep up. There's new technology, there's new innovation, there's new services, and it's all leading up to a very complex world. But with all the complexity, I think we can all agree, one of the things that hasn't really changed all that much is the job of the brand. Brands are about driving equity. They're about driving awareness, buy rate, penetration, getting one more into the basket. And while that brand job is basically the same, the how we do things is completely different. It's a 180. It used to be very focused on her, get her to the store, get her to buy one more get one more product in the basket. But today, she has changed to he, he has changed to they, and the diversity of this country has changed, I would say, for the better. And that linear path that she used to take to get to the store just doesn't exist anymore. And they can now shop anytime, anywhere, for anything. And it's just not as easy as it used to be. So at the end of the day, my job is to make the shopper purchase experience just more congruent physically or digitally and make that complex world a bit more simpler. Makes a ton of sense. And full disclosure, I did not invite Stephen onto the show, but I would have if Rachel hadn't. And also full disclosure, I know Stephen from way before either of us were affiliated with Campbell Soup Company. So what's super fun is that Steven actually taught me a ton more than a decade ago about shopper marketing. When I was running a digital agency, 
he had shopper and consumer promotions. And I felt like the two of us were like the early infusion of call it omni grocery shopping. We're all this like is mushing together. So shopper marketing now is getting thrust back into the limelight, but in more of a murky way, even than it was when COVID hit and people just didn't know what the heck to do with shopper marketing if anybody was going into the store. So now retailers are becoming media platforms. Shopper is digital. Digital is brand and consumer and shopper. Like help us deconstruct all of this. If you had to pick one thing that's keeping you up in the middle of the night as it relates to all this, what would it be? Yeah, you bet. And I remember those those times back in the day, Sarah, fondly. Uh, we've worked on some special projects and brands over the years, and it's been a great run together. Fight hunger. Fight hunger and some more Oreo programming. Sure. Hey, listen, if you've had the chance to work in CPG and you've ever had the opportunity to work on the Oreo brand, uh, you should feel blessed. And I, I had that for many years. I now have that at Campbell Snacks in um, what I would say is the number one teen snack in, in Goldfish. Uh, but I've been very fortunate to work on some amazing iconic brands. Listen, Shopper was much simpler historically. It was about how do I interrupt that linear path to purchase? And back in the day, while we might have done some really innovative things and we did some innovative things together, it was a simpler toolbox. Shopper was Shopper, media was media. We connected, but often we stayed in our own swim lanes. Today, as you said, in that murky world, you can't think of them as separate. Where shopper begins and where shopper ends and where media begins and where media ends, where e-commerce starts, it's all in this big soup pot, if you will. And so these separate silos and budgets are, are just not the way of the world today. And at Campbell's, we see value in bringing these budgets, shopper, e-com, retail media specifically together. We need to move faster. We need to be more effective. We need to speak as one voice. The old ways of siloing these is just too slow. It's inefficient for the speed of that, what we're living in today. And quite frankly, Rachel, you're a shopper. Sarah, you're a shopper. I'm a shopper. We don't know how these organizations are set up. And so we need to be thinking about the shopper first and foremost, so it's seamless and it's all fused together. Well, sadly, the three of us do know how these organizations are set up. (laughs) And, And maybe that's the scary part, but maybe that gets us to be that much better as we evolve and we can help shape where these things go. So as I mentioned, the toolbox was simpler, but now you should check out my garage. It's full of these really fancy and cool tools. But with more tools comes more complexity. With more complexity comes more manuals, different languages. And it's just getting harder and harder every single day to bring all of these together. I don't lose much sleep, maybe because of my two dogs more than anything, but the need to have the right teams to speak those languages, the yearning to learn and having the people around you with with a curiosity of understanding the landscape, How do I make that complex world and partners simpler, but not overly simple where we're not doing things in a smart way? And the reality is all these things are just moving closer to the point of purchase. And whether that's in the physical brick and mortar store or it's digitally through e-commerce. So maybe I don't lose sleep, but maybe I dream about just making life a bit simpler and smarter. Let me drive a little bit more because I would love to demystify. You've always been really good at simplifying the complex and demystifying stuff. So what's a buzzword that you would love to bust and how would you bust it? 
is there a word that just really pisses you off every time you hear it? It's like, oh my God, can we just say, like for me, I hate the word shopper, which I know probably pisses you off. I hate the word shopper because like, it's just a freaking person. I don't care if it's like, it's a reflection of budgeting or fiefdoms or whatever it is, but I hate the word shopper. Can I jump on the bandwagon? No, go right ahead. I tell this to my team. I think the word shopper is going away. Not the person, the shopper, but as a defined space within CPG and and organizations. I completely agree. And that's why I said you, Sarah, Rachel, and I, we are our shoppers. It's not us and them. It's not, am I not working and developing marketing programs and looking how to interrupt and get them to the store or digitally by saying, oh, I got to get to that shopper. I'm them. (laughs) I'm that person. I'm in the grocery store every other day because I love being in the grocery store. I love walking the aisles. I love seeing what's going on. I clean up our shelves, but I'm also making multiple purchases online every single day. So the they is me. I also just think shopper comes with some baggage. It is not representative of what the marketing landscape is today. And the simple world of shopper of yesterday is gone. So that buzzword, it needs to go away. So Stephen, if shopper goes away, then who absorbs these responsibilities? Is it the sales team or is it the marketing team? People in CPG and in this industry need to evolve with the times. So I was a shopper. Now call me an omni-channel marketer. In a year from now, you guys will be talking about something else. So it is about evolving And I think what that says is things are just moving very fast. And how you define your organization today could be quite different in three months from now. How you market your brands today could be quite different from three months from now. So you need people that have agility, flexibility, and the understanding of the landscape that's around us that's moving very quick and the ability to move with that and go with it and not get caught up on some of these titles. But evolve your own personal skill sets to stay up with the times to bring value to your organization and ultimately to the shopper. Stephen, I think you're identifying some really important characteristics of, of what it takes to stay relevant in terms of curiosity, nimbleness, speed to execution. I still want to push of my question. Yeah, go for it. I do agree with everything that you said, but knowing that you know you operate within a behemoth company, our listeners operate within behemoth companies there still seems to be friction between the ownership of marketing at the retail level within the sales organization. Should it sit there or should it sit within the marketing organization? Great question. And I don't know if there's any one, and you might be looking for one, but I don't know if there is any one perfect answer to the question. I think it depends on the organization. I think it depends on the culture. I think it depends on the leadership, the ability to collaborate and work together. Ultimately, we are stronger together if we're rowing the boat with the same goals, initiatives, and objectives of what we're trying to do, which is grow our businesses, make an impact every day, feel good about the job that we're doing, and ultimately deliver shareholder value to the people who own this company. I've worked in Mondelez for many years, and I worked in the marketing organization, and I reported up through there. At Campbell's for the past year, I report up into the sales organization. I believe today that this space, it depends on the organization, but for Campbell's, It is better suited in the sales organization and closer to the path and the point of purchase. Our people, our teams, our agencies, we know the landscape and the retailers and what makes them tick and much better than most. Now, it's not about us and them. It only works if I have that strong collaboration with the brand stewards and the marketers and being super clear on what we're trying to accomplish. Makes total sense. 
Speaking of being one team, one dream, big buzzword that we can't kill no matter how much we want is supply chain. So that strain is hitting every industry. How do you guys work together to combat the challenges together to sell what's available, optimize on the fly? Take us through almost like day in the life of navigating this fun trip. You know, if I wasn't living in a COVID world and working virtually the majority of the time, the first thing I would do, and I think the majority of our teams should go do is, quite frankly, go hug anybody that works in supply chain. These are unprecedented times. And there is no doubt our folks are working super hard to get our products produced and ultimately to the stores. And it's easy to complain. It's easy to argue. It's easy to point fingers. I do believe in that one team, one dream. And I think people are working really, really hard. The challenges are real and they're having a huge impact on the country, the economy, and Campbell's as well. Change is just constant. So if it wasn't supply chain, it might be something else. And it's how we all come together to work through it. These challenges though, maybe they provide an opportunity. And if we can flip the coin and look at it in a different way, maybe this is a point in time where those in CPG and specifically in supply chain and marketing, we should be looking at and taking a hard look at our portfolios. Should we really be producing everything we produce? Can we? Is this a sign of the future? Should we be making products that are specific for stores? Should we be making products that you can only get in digital and e-commerce? I want to get that special flavor. There's a QR code and it takes me directly to you know, a shoppable media place and the ability to buy it online and have it shipped to home. So it is without a doubt, a tough time in supply chain. But I think it's also an interesting opportunity. And I think we're at a T in the road. I'll go back to what I said before. It's about making the complex simpler, but the simpler really smart. Stephen, I have not actually thought about what you just said, which I think is pretty provocative. And maybe it's it's commonplace at other organizations, but the supply chain challenges might end up sunsetting tons of brands that perhaps should not be in market anymore. I think it's a really, really provocative thought. Well, we're at time for the final question, which is sad because I really have enjoyed hearing all of your takes. What's the bravest thing that you've ever done? So about four years ago, I uh, raised the courage and got on an airplane and flew to Africa and by myself began a trek to summit Mount Kilimanjaro. And I'm not the only one who's done that. But for me, it was a big major step. It was a bucket list, something I've been looking at for many, many years. My wife, I think, got tired of looking over my shoulder and looking on the screen and watching all the videos and learning all about the trek. And I think she just finally said, enter, you're going. And about four years ago, I made the trek. So the first step was the courage to do something like that by myself and head off on an amazing trek for a few weeks. But the courage came in the 10 days, 11 days that I was on the mountain. And the first day on the mountain at our first camp, which was at about 11,000 feet, I came down with a terrible case of the stomach flu. And if you know anything about these endurance and being on a mountain, you need to eat, you need to sleep. And so for the next 48 hours, I was unable to do both. And I think the Sherpas, we had a team of 33 people to help us on our trek. There was three climbers and a village of 33 to, to help us along the way. I think they were taking bets if I'd make it to day two or make it to day three. I made it to day four. I made it to day five. I started to rebound and recover. I got to day seven, feeling great. And I got to the night of day seven. And uh, all of a sudden, something goes wrong in my back and my leg. 
with about three days to go to get to the summit at just shy of 20,000 feet. I could barely walk for the next three days, but I pushed through. And I remember being about 100 yards away from the summit and saying to the lead guide who was ready to turn me around at a heartbeat and just saying, every step hurts, but I'm going to get there. About 45 minutes later, we got to the summit. Two days later, I got down and then I started the trek back to New York, only to find out that I had herniated three discs in my back and had a broken rib. And the lead Sherper, Gideon, left me with a message. Your mind can do an awful lot to get you to where you need to be. And you showed you don't give up and you've persevered and you're really strong. And what started out as a really courageous and frightening journey ended up being a life lesson that I'll never, ever lose. Well, your back won't let you lose it. (laughs) It reminds me every day. And your wife may never let you travel alone again. (laughs) I don't know. We're negotiating because I'd like to do it one more time. (laughs) Well, Stephen, thank you. I was not expecting you to tell a story like that. You're full of surprises and we're so appreciative we were able to get you onto the show. I've enjoyed it. And thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.